The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I am a boat rock. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this. I hate the work of those who follow you. My mouth I'll make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in your works. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, uh, good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. If you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and you'll see two videos at the top of the page there. The one on the left, <clears throat> and this is going to look a little different. I, I wasn't lying. We are live right now, but we're pre-recording the show. The one on the left side will be Bradley's show from the previous day. You can catch that up until 3 p.m. Eastern, at which time he'll go live in that area right there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it on whatever device you've got there, and then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Um, we're also streaming 
to beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. Thanks to those guys for giving us that space there. And also we're on a number of Facebook pages that bear my name, as well as dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. We're on twitch.tv at Real Tim Brown and also Twitter for whatever that's worth. Uh, the Real Tim Brow, leave off the end off the end off the end of my name and put a two there. The Real Tim Brow two. And uh, we're streaming live there as well. Uh, but wherever you go, if something goes down or whatever, you can always find us here at SonsLibertyMedia.com. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that. Uh, you get one email from us a day, 7 to 8 o'clock Eastern is when those go out. And uh, those are all the articles from the day at SonsLibertyMedia.com, including the archive of the morning show. So anything you see on the morning show, video, podcast, we make reference to articles, videos, any of that. And then some bonus videos. Those are all in the archive and they're, they come in your email that way. Uh, right when you, if you want our ministry email, if you want to know what the Sons of Liberty are doing during the week, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com. You can sign up for that email right on the front page and you'll find out what we're doing. That goes out once a week on Saturdays and you'll get Bradley's main article as well as uh, whatever the thing we're highlighting in the store. Uh, that you can pick up at a discounted price if you want to do that. And then finally, if you agree with our message, you want to help keep us out there on Internet radio and among the people teaching our Christian constitutional heritage, uh, go go here to sonsoflibertymedia.com, click on the donate button, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And we really do appreciate you guys, all of your support for us. So without your support, we can't do near as much as we do. Uh, we'll be very limited in that. So thank you for supporting us. I'm going to play one little video here. This is kind of making the rounds, and I think it goes well uh, for here what's going on, what's building up in the states of what we're going to talk about uh, during the hour here. This is a video that's come out <clears throat> from Mall of America. Now, I've been to Mall of America. I went up to see Bradley and his family up in Minnesota. We went to Mall of America. Um, yeah. Who hasn't been in a mall that has like a theme park inside of it, you know, uh, that was made out of a baseball stadium? <laughs> um, I mean, it's pretty impressive and all. But this right here, and you guys who are listening by way of the radio, you're not going to see it, but you may have seen the video. If you haven't, you can switch over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, or you can catch the archive that will have the video there. There's a man here who apparently went to Mall America before, and he preached the gospel there. And they wanted to run him off because he was, I guess, causing a scene there or something in the middle of the people or whatever the case may be. So he left. Now he's in there doing some shopping, and he just has a shirt on. It says, Jesus saves. And I want you to look at what these rent little tin hat tyrants, how they treat him. Take a look at this. I understand that, right. but Jesus is associated with religion and it's offending people. No, it's not. No, Jesus is associated with the founding of our country. Okay, but it's the same thing. Okay, People have been offended. People are offended. All we were asking you is to take your shirt off. I didn't say anything. I didn't speak. I didn't. I didn't speak. I didn't. I didn't say anything. Just went What's going on is he's got two rental cops around him, telling me he has to take his shirt off. It's not. They're probably letting all kinds of people go by with profanity on their shirt. And this guy has Jesus is the only way. Jesus saves on the front. If you want to shop here, you need to take that shirt off. What is wrong with you? 
That's the question. What's wrong with the shirt? What is, what is, what is wrong with my teacher? Again, sir, it is religious soliciting. There is no soliciting allowed on law property, which is private property. Yeah, but it's open to the public, which means he can exercise what he's doing there. That's protected under the First Amendment. We just want you to comply. We just want you to kneel, you little slave. No, I'm citizen. I know the Constitution. Bow before our God. Last time I was here, they told me. Bow before our daddy, Satan. That's what they're telling. That day I was preaching. Yeah, I was preaching the gospel that day. Yeah. You're still soliciting. And again, I'm welcome. Yes, you're welcome wearing that shirt and the fitness solicited. And we've got guests come up saying that they've been offended by your shirt. We'll say that. We've had guests come up and say you've been offended. So, like this. I'm offended by this. Take the shirt. Rent a cops. Should they take their uniform off? Sorry. Or thinking. Thinking. And I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to harass you until you do it. And if you don't do it, well, then we're going to really have a uh, we're going to really have a problem with you. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened in the United States. We've seen a lot of this, but these are the beginnings and we've seen it. The attacks on Christians. The attacks on Jesus, the attacks on the teachings of Scripture. And it isn't just little places like this. We've seen it from uh, our representatives, both in state government and federal government. It's coming on, and let me tell you why. It's come on because the people have departed wickedly from their God. That's what's going on in this country, because we used to be a country who established that. Our laws reflected that. Long before the Constitution, our laws reflected that. The people wanted to extol that. Whether they met it perfectly or not, they wanted to honor God with their lives, both in their individual lives, in their families, in their churches, and within civil government. And now we're abandoning that. The modern church is saying pretty much anything goes. They're welcoming the very things that God condemns as abominations within their churches to teach their people. This is why this is happening. Now, to talk about some of this, only maybe from a little bit different perspective, we've got uh, Judd Saul, and uh, Judd is with EquippingThePersecuted.org. Uh, he's the founder of that organization, and uh, he saw the persecuted Christians in Nigeria on a mission trip 10 years ago. Uh, hasn't looked back. His organization addresses the crisis Christians face against Muslim extremists. I don't think they're Muslim extremists. I think they're Muslims who believe what they believe, just like Christians Today call themselves Christians, but they don't act like they don't live as Christ taught them to live. Surprisingly, Nigeria 15 years ago was a nation split equally between Christian and Islamic religions. Today, the populist religion is Islamic uh, and Christian villages are attacked, burned and partial and whole communities displaced or murdered. And uh, it's my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty. Judd Saul, good morning, man. How are you? Oh, glad to be here. Good morning to you. Yeah, great to have you on with us. And, you know, what do you, you know, before we get into what's going on in Nigeria, what do you make out of that video? Because you're seeing people in Nigeria, and we've reported on some of them. Many of the, the girls are kidnapped. They're, they're made to be Islamic wives, to convert to Islam, so to speak. Some of the people are burned. They're run through. Entire villages are attacked at night. 
um, all of this kind of churches are bombed, all these kinds of things. What do you make out of what you're saying there? Would you agree with what I said about what we're seeing here in America with what that little video is showing us at Mall of America? I find it ironic that they want to kick out a guy wearing a Jesus Save shirt in the Mall of America. Um, I've been to the Mall of America. I've seen countless offensive things and things that I would that are that deem offensive to yes. me. Um uh, but I don't go to the guards and complain and force them to kick those people out uh, because I fundamentally believe in a right to freedom of speech and to um, to watch to watch these mindless rent a cops uh, do this uh, to a to a guy wearing a Jesus Save shirt who's going in there to actually shop. Um, I, I just find it completely ridiculous. But this is where our country has become. And uh, my warning is, is if we don't stop this from happening in the United States, we will end up like Nigeria. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. In fact, one of the things is, is that, you know, we uh, we we take and I said it on the show the other day, we take a very offensive position with the spiritual weapons God has given us, preaching the gospel, prayer our faith, the helmet of salvation, all these kinds of things that we take. That's our offensive weapons. But it's going to come to a point where we're going to have to use defensive weapons. And I don't I don't care what anybody says. Jesus did tell his disciples, if you don't have a sword, go sell your cloak and get one. And he meant it for defensive purposes. Right. Now, the the, the point is we're going to get to that place. These guys, we've got to use the gospel, and then we, we need to bring justice because justice is part of God's character too. Some Christians today have forgotten that. And they want to just say, let bygones be bygones and stuff. They don't want to call people to repent from sin, which is transgression of God's law, which is what the gospel is. It calls them that, and it says there's a there's a covering for your sin. It's Jesus Christ. So exactly. how is this happening in Nigeria? Give us a little background. What happened on this mission trip that you went on 10 years ago that got you so involved with helping the people there who are believers in Jesus in Nigeria? Um, I met with uh, survivors of a massacre and uh they handed me a little uh thumb drive of footage of uh, of of like right after post massacre massacre aftermath of what had happened um and it's evil at its worst uh these guys don't discriminate they the the ones they end up killing are the ones who can't run fast enough and that's usually the little children and the elderly are the ones that are really caught in the crossfire in the path because they can't run away fast enough from them. When these guys come into the villages shouting Alu Akbar and start macheteing and killing people. Um, when I looked at the survivors and I talked to them and I, and I, and I got there and I, and I just, it just became a burden on my heart. And then I come home to the U.S., and at the time I was going to a, uh, a what people would re refer to as a seeker-friendly church, which I wouldn't even call it a church anymore, but I didn't know any better at the time. And I, I, and I started going, asking pastors and asking people here uh, locally uh, in Iowa, where I'm from, I was like, how come we're not talking about persecuted Christians? How come we're not talking about what is really going on in the world? And, you know, it's this message of live your best life now, everything's happy, 
you know, Jesus, you know, loves everybody, loves everything. You're okay. I'm okay. Um, with an antinomian, pietistic uh, gospel message. And it just rattled my spiritual growth. It, it rattled me spiritually into my inner core. Um, and that's when I started really digging into the scriptures and had my come to Jesus moment. And my Amen. Call Amen. God. Yeah. And, um, and then I realized that all around me are um, kind of the things that you've woken up to as well is seeing that we have complacent, uh, fake Christianity permeating throughout all of America. And um, when you go to a place like Nigeria where Christians face persecution, where they wake up in the morning and they face death just for being a Christian, you really get to see what real Christianity looks like and is. And that, if, that changed my life forever. And um, since then, it's been part of my mission to help uh, the persecuted Christians in Nigeria. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, seeing is believing. It, it, when we're over here, I we have uh, some friends who went to West Papua and they literally went out in the jungles. I mean, people living in trees and stuff. It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the footage that we got from them, they're a young couple. They stayed there in their home. They, the guy preached at our church that we had planted in North Carolina. And one of the things he told me when he came back from the furlough that they were on just for a little while so they can kind of report to some of the churches that were supporting them. One of the things he told me was, he says, Tim, it makes me sick to come back to America. I can't wait to get back over there. Now, this is a guy and his wife and children. They had had malaria several times for like a month at a time. Now we know chlorine dioxide is, helps take care of that, uh, some of that stuff uh, that's been proven on the mission field. But here was a guy enduring all kinds of suffering. It left all the goodies of the world that America offers, goes over there, gives his life, gives the life of his wife and of his children to uh, teach the gospel, to disciple the nations as we're commanded to do. He goes and does that. And when he comes to America, he says, it makes me sick. It makes me sick. I, I'm kind of curious. Do you have a similar experience with what you're having there? When you go to Nigeria, you see what happens and you come back here and you go, what's, what, what's the disconnect here? Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, every time, every time you think you'd get used to it after going there over 10 years, but it, it, it's the, it's the same reaction when you come back. It's um, when you go to a place like Nigeria or or any really foreign mission field where the you know you're you're surrounded by a corrupt culture, corrupt infrastructure, um, facing a demonic uh, <laughs> uh, other demonic religions, um, and you you have to it's a it's a total switch. It's a total switch mentally when you come back. It's like here we have an infrastructure. We have police. We have. We know if we get sick, we can call an ambulance, and the ambulance will show up. You know, eventually. Uh, in a place like Nigeria and other African countries, especially, there is no security service. There is no backup. There is no ambulance. When you go to a place like that, you are relying on God for your protection. And, the, and it's kind of strange when you come to the U.S. It's like the, there's all this false sense of security and safety yes. where yeah. people really don't have to focus and feel like they have to rely on God for their survival. Where in a place like Nigeria, the moment they wake up, people wake up in prayer. They pray to God and they say, Lord, get me through the day. Lord, I'm counting on you for your provision. And in America, we, we just, Christians don't even think about that when they wake up in the morning. 
they're not they're not really forced to. We've largely now we used to have that in the culture uh, when we were more of an agrarian society kind of deal. But the more the city kind of culture, the I, I like to call it the Tower of Babel uh, culture comes across because what did they say? They said, let's, let's build a city so that we're not scattered and destroyed across the face of the earth. They wanted to be dependent upon one another more than they wanted to be dependent upon God. And, uh, so yeah, Jesus tells us to pray that the father will, you know, provide for us our daily bread, that he will forgive us as we're forgiving others. Uh, all of those provisions that his kingdom be manifest on the earth as it is in heaven, all of those kinds of things. And there, you're right. There are a lot of Christians uh, who call themselves that, but in practice, uh, they're just as much children of the devil as those that they claim need to become Christians. So that's exactly right. So let me ask you a question, because I was watching a, a documentary the other day and had a sort of this Zoom shot that comes into Nigeria. Now, J Nigeria, m many people in America think of them as just these villages out in the middle of nowhere. There's little huts and this, that, and the other. But they also have big metropolises too, right? I mean, did yes. I miss something there? So the people that you're largely dealing with aren't in the metropolis. They're out in the villages. Is that correct? Those are the most vulnerable because um, right now there's a divide in Nigeria. You have the what we consider the Muslim North and the Christian South. Um, and the most vulnerable places that's easiest for them to attack are the smaller villages because they don't have a security apparatus, they don't have the population to fight back. So they're, they're starting to pick off these little, little villages one at a time. So imagine if you're, you know, you're in a small town you, uh, of 1,000 people, 3,000 people, those are the ones that are getting hit. They very rarely, rarely attack when there is a major population uh, in place. So the easy targets are the outlying villages. And, um, you know, the radical Islam or Muslims are trained through the Quran on how to do this systematically, and they are trained to go to the weakest link. And if they don't find any pushback or pressure, that emboldens them to do more. And that is what, we're, what we have seen across Nigeria, is a very emboldened, militant Islam doing what it has been doing since its inception, is taking over a country systematically over time by going after the little villages and little villages and little villages, and then populating enough so they can have the majority. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. We have heard where, you know, our own CIA, which is not found in our constitution at all, they're they are a crime syndicate. They're a, they're a thug group is what they are, just like every other alphabet agency we have in the, in the U.S. Do you, do you hear stories where our government is involved in aiding any of these Islamists in attacking these Christians? Not from a CIA standpoint. But what I will say is that um, what has built up to the current, I'd say, mass persecution and uh, just the elevation, persecution has increased in 2021 and 2022 250%. Okay, and you got to say, okay, why did that happen? What were the things that led up to it? Well, when Trump was removed from office, uh, the Biden administration took Boko Haram, off of the terror watch list. And prior, uh, I'd say go back about six years, it was the Obama administration and the Obama uh, campaign team that elected their current president, Buhari, who is a Fulani Muslim. 
And so they, you put Buhari in charge, you then take Boko Haram off the terror watch list, all of a sudden you see more Christians being killed. And this was done at the aiding and abetting of our government and um, Democrat political operatives from the U.S. operating in Nigeria. Wow. Yeah, and we've, we've reported a little bit. I was trying to look up something here, and I spelled it wrong. Uh, the Boko Haram, uh, these were the guys who were going into some of these villages. Uh, we had several of them where they kidnapped what was it hundreds of of young ladies and uh yeah. and, and 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 they have this philosophy that that Christians used to have and that was large families you know you heard at the beginning of the of the of the show today there there's the scripture there psalm 127 128 where it talks about like arrows in the hand of a mighty man you know mm-hmm. are are the children that that God gives them the reward that God gives them and that blessed is the man who has his quiver full and everybody knows I've read that to all 10 of my children. As soon as they were born, we were reading Psalm 127, 128. We went with the first words that they were getting as they came, not that we weren't reading in the womb, uh, to them in the womb, but when they came out, we wanted them to know you're a blessing from God. You're a blessing to this world and you're an arrow to be used in this world for the glory of God. And, uh, you know, we don't, I don't claim to be perfect in my parenting. Uh, probably my kids will tell you, my wife will tell you. But we we consider them that. But the Muslims have that idea that they are going to overcome by the growth of their numbers. And we see in Scripture, we can go back to Exodus, we see the people of God growing in numbers. And they put fear in the heart of the Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. And that's why he chose to try to enslave them. But, I mean, God was blessing them tremendously. And we see that as a blessing of God. What's happening there as far as the families? Um, one One of the questions that I have... What's happening with the families as far as birth rates of for, for Christians? If they're being attacked and stuff, it's hard for them, I guess, to repopulate. But what about the the uh, these sorcery attacks? And I say sorcery linked to vaccinations because we know Africa is like a uh, a, a guinea pig laboratory mm-hmm. for a lot of Bill Gates and uh, all of these other people who are pushing the vaccines, which I think are sorceries. Um, What's happening there in those villages? Are are they coming in? Are they attacking them with that as well? Um, not so much in the rural areas. It doesn't get out there, but you see, uh, we're seeing a lot of organizations come in. Um, really, and and uh, and because of I would say because of the the Democrats and the uh, um, currently in the Biden administration, the for, a foreign government doesn't get aid unless they sign on to um, contraceptives. Uh, sterilization, uh, pro-abortion policies. They're, so our government, when it, I say when Biden's in charge, if they don't adhere to these policies, they don't get any money. So um, they have to agree to these policies and implement it into their countries to get this uh, aid and funding from these, uh, you know, from federal government, from the UN, etc. And we are we have seen a lot of that come about and a major push for vaccines, but. Uh, um, what you'll find is is that they push this on the Christians and the Muslims bring it into the country, but they don't partake in it. And uh, I want to go back to your comment about quiver and population and, 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 and family growth. Muslims have more than one wife. So, you know, um, I've run into men that have had five wives and 30 children. And they're doing this at a rapid rate, where on the Christian side of things, there's still this push and this talk of, oh, you know, um, 
wait a long time till you get married, enjoy your life, have one or two kids. This is permeating in Christian circles, even in Nigeria, where you see the Muslims, they have five wives and 30 children uh, per family uh, and strong villages. So you're starting to see this mindset and this mentality come in to the Christian church in Nigeria, but also the government is pushing it. Okay. All right. So they, they basically are believing sort of this very uh, much a selfish kind of approach to life. Enjoy your life. Don't worry about children. All these things that God has, has said to do. I mean, I don't see where God rescinded Genesis 1, where he said, be fruitful and multiply. You know, and I don't condemn people if for whatever reason God has closed the womb. I, I don't condemn. I, I just say be open to that. Because I know yeah. when when we were at this stage, I said, Lord, I'm not asking you for any kids, but we're going to give that in your hands because we saw what the scripture was teaching. And I just said, however many you give me, give me the means to provide for them. Don't give me children and I can't provide for them. And and God has been faithful in doing that. I can attest to that as a man. And most people would say, oh, well, you make lots of money. No, I don't. Except for about two years of my life, I never made over like $60,000. And me and my wife, uh, 10 kids. I don't have extra wives. Some people say, did you both produce those? Yes, we did. <laughs> here's, a, here's a question that I have, though. Who has been the largest um, evangelize, those who evangelize in Nigeria? Uh, would there be a certain doctrine associated with those people who've evangelized them? Would there be uh, a certain denomination or whatever? Because I'm wanting to get at the root of, why why do they have this mentality that's completely unbiblical in the in the Christian society there um a, Nigeria doctrine is a hodgepodge of different things that have come in from different denominations but right now the biggest one that is permeating uh is the uh hyper prosperity oh goodness uh hyper prosperity cheap grace uh, gospel that has is it's just permeating all over Nigeria, and it's sick, it's criminal, and it's wicked. Amen. Uh, that's that's one of the things as part of our mission we are doing. It's not just helping persecuted Christians. We're trying to get their doctrine right. We're trying to get them to get away from the hyper prosperity nonsense and focused really on what the Bible says. And the other thing that's come along with it somehow along the way, Pietism has permeated throughout uh, Nigeria in the Christian church, which is stay out of politics, don't get involved in civil matters, politics is evil, we shouldn't be involved in these things. And this is another thing we're trying to correct. Um, Amen. But it is, it, is, it is very difficult and it's very sickening to see prosperity preachers from the United States go to a country like Nigeria and take money out of it. Yeah, and it's, put it in their sick. pockets and bring it back home. It's sick. And uh, it, it's a work in progress, but we have, we have woken up a lot of people. Uh, in fact, every year we have a pastor's conference uh, that we, we, started, it, um, we started, our, started it last year. We had 200 pastors come. Uh, we had pastors in tears, crying, thanking us for correcting them. Because they knew something was wrong, they just didn't don't quite know what it was. Amen. And then we also had pastors in tears um, thanking us and crying because they thought that getting involved in politics was a sin. Interesting. And, and uh, so 
we're we're holding another pastors conference in the, in in a few months. We had two hundred pastors at our first conference. We're expecting over a thousand at our next one. Wow! Because the message of of what we have taught and what we are doing is permeating uh, throughout our network, and um, so hopefully, you know. It, by demonstrating the love of God, by helping persecuted Christians, we're actually able to get in and present the word of God and get people on the right track. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And you know, we still, we have some of that here in the States too, where people don't think you ought to be involved in politics and this, that, and the other. And then sadly, the ones that do don't hold forth a biblical worldview. They go, we got to vote for the lesser of two evils. And you go, right. um, where did God say that you're supposed to support evil at anywhere? You're supposed to expose it. Ephesians five eleven. You're you're that's what you're supposed to do. Yes. Not not go along with it. And I don't care if the guy has your political jersey on or not. You're to expose him too. Right. But but the but that's all part of pushing what those who came before us did too. I think of the Scottish Covenanters, uh, wonderful men who were really our founding fathers here in America. The Scottish Covenanters were. And they wouldn't submit to the Pope and the papal kinds of religiosity and pietism that they promoted, which was wicked too. Rather, they wanted to honor God. They want to honor God in everything they did, from how they lived their lives at home to their work to civil government and all of that. How? What are you, what's going on there to where you're instructing the people? Can you give us a little maybe example of some instruction that you guys are giving the people there, the, the Christian church there in Nigeria, about how they push the crown rights of King Jesus because they apply in the civil sphere just as much as they do in the church in their home. Well, we, <laughs> we walk them through, and it just, it, 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 it's just trying to break that, um, break that barrier of going, if Jesus is Lord of your life, He's Lord of all of your life. That's right. He's Lord of your politics. He's Lord of your profession. He's Lord of everything you do every day. So why magically would that exclude politics? Why would that exclude your business life? If Jesus is Lord of all of your life, and, and we, we, have to just, we have to just walk them through this and get them into some common sense. Uh, and... And when it when it finally clicks, like I said, they wake up and they're like, "Wow!" And and it's like, and I'm and it's a practical application. It's like you guys are being taken over, you guys are being pushed out of your homes, your villages, and your own country because you are ceding the ground that God gave you to the devil. Amen. That's right. That's exactly what it is. And when we explain it to them that way, then they finally understand and things click. But for some reason, uh, some missionaries a long time ago taught them some bad doctrine, and that has just done its damage for the last hundred years. Yeah, the doctrine leads to the practice, doesn't it? I mean, that's mm -hmm. what Titus, that's what Paul wrote to Titus in Titus chapter 2. He says, teach the things pertaining to sound doctrine. And then he's teaching practical things for young and old women, young and old men. These are the practical things that have adhere to what you've been taught, the doctrine or the teaching. The, the people on the show knows one, one of my favorite passages is this. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it says, By now is Christ risen from the dead. This is the beginning of verse 20, and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his order, 
Christ the first fruits after they that are Christ that is coming. Then cometh the end, then, uh, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall not have put down all, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, he must reign. Now he's reigning. Then, when Paul says this in the first in the first century, I want people to understand that everybody's looking for Jesus to reign on a you know little throne out in a postage stamp piece of land in the Middle East. No, 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 no. He's ruling from reigning from heaven, and he's been doing so at least what Paul says here uh, since the first century. Um, and he must he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And he has two ways of doing that. One, he brings justice on them and destroys them, or he brings them into submission to the gospel. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And I love that passage, uh, Judd, because it, this is a message of hope for the Christian. It is not one that goes out. We don't convert people by the tip of the sword. We don't do that. Our, our weapons are spiritual. We tear down strongholds, those things that bind us in our minds. And that's what I hear you dealing with people is they're teaching. They've been taught wrong. So you've got to unteach them and you've got to teach them the truth. And sometimes... Well, most times that's more difficult than if they'd just been taught right the first time. It's, it, it's, it's difficult, but the thing is, is that they know there's a conflict. They know there's something wrong with that line of thinking, but they just don't know how to articulate it. They, they, they don't know how to express it. But when you come in and you paint the picture for them and say, hey, this is truth, this is what it is, then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and then you see a transformation. And, uh, that's one of the things that um, that we've seen fruit grow from this aspect of our ministry, and uh, it's catching like wildfire, and it's uh, it's a blessing to see it happen. And people willing to learn and take correction and to adjust things. That's the other thing with Nigerian Christians is they're willing to learn. Amen. They don't think they know it all. Yep. They're Amen. eager to learn more and to dive into the scriptures to get better understanding. Uh, that's something you just don't see here in the U.S. Um, uh, an eagerness to learn, an eagerness to grow in faith. You just don't see that here, but you definitely see it in a place like Nigeria. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, because we're talking about persecution. And, you know, some people think that, uh, you know, within this, you have to have a martyr's complex. You, you, you know, if, if I'm not... I've got to be beat up and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll wear it as a badge of honor, all this kind of stuff. And Paul does say that he bears in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus, of his sufferings. He, he points that out. Mm -hmm. He doesn't shy away from that. But Jesus also says, if you go into a village and you're, you're there and they persecute you, he says, don't stay there and be a martyr. He says, shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next village. Get out of that right. way. The question I have is, with what you're teaching these guys, are you helping them in some way, practically, to defend themselves against those who are their attackers? Well, we not only teach them that doctrine, but we also, as a mission, we actually help. Uh, we, we, we give uh, bulletproof vests to village security teams. We give them radios, comms. Uh, we give them security awareness training. Um, we, we teach them and tell them it's okay to defend yourselves. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, let thugs come onto your property, right. rape, and kill your wives and children. 
for the Lord. That, it, it, that is not in the scriptures. And people in the U.S. tend to have a romanticized view of martyrdom. Come on. Until it hits their front doorstep. You know, um, I, there was actually a, a gentleman uh, who was talking to me about my mission, and he actually said to me, um, wouldn't it be better you know, for them to just die in martyrdom and glory for the Lord. And I said, sir, I know what church you go to. Uh, your church has a security team. I know your church has a security team. Hypocrites, aren't they? What, make, what, what makes you better than them to have a security team at your church and they can't have one in Nigeria? Where they're under real threat. And he didn't say a word and I haven't talked to him since. But this is this is the this is the romanticized mentality and view of martyrdom, and it's also it's also uh, you know oh it's Christians in a distant land it's just Africa oh violence happens no it, it's they are no different than we are, and they are suffering a, a great deal and people here in the U.S. Have, cannot have no idea and can't comprehend how bad it is. Yeah, yeah, we just get the reports, we get the pictures, we get the videos, and that's it. But as far as us going out and driving down the road, we usually don't have to, for the most part, we don't have to worry about somebody shooting us, stopping us, trying to cut our heads off or anything like this. Uh, so I get exactly what you're saying. There's this disconnect in that. And I apologize if people think I'm I'm trying to talk over you. I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I'm amen in what you're saying because I think we're of a kindred spirit here over what's going on. I think we have the truth of what Scripture says. And uh, I love what you said uh, this martyrdom of letting your kids be and your wife be raped and murdered and all the tortured, all these kinds of things that somehow that glorifies God. Listen, Jesus called us to love one another. In fact, he he told his disciples, he says, they'll know you by your love for one another. Do you love somebody and let that happen to them and don't do anything about it? That's not love. That's a selfish, that's a, that's a selfishness and it's a hate towards that person. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I really am because that's very important for people to understand. Well, how how loving are we if we don't stop evil around us and around our communities? If we know people are go, going in, breaking into houses and raping women all over your small town, and you say, oh, no, 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 it's not loving to stop that. It's not loving because we can't confront evil. It's not loving. Um, it, it's hypocritical. It's a hypocritical false sense of love, and uh, it's rotten to its core. And we, it's, it's hypocritical. We see this in the U.S. We see it all over American Christianity where uh, we like to prop ourselves up and say, well, I don't want to lose my witness. We could do the John Piper nonsense. And it's costing lives. It's costing lives, and it's allowing evil to spread. And, you know, it, Lord laid it on my heart to, to start this mission to try to help fight it. Man, that's Amen. what I'm doing. Amen. Yeah, you mentioned John Piper. You know, I love his teaching on the sovereignty of God and all of that is grand. But then when it comes to the practical application, when he says, oh, I'll just, you know, this is I'm just thinking, dude, I would not want to be your wife. I wouldn't want to be your kids if you're just mm -hmm. going to take it that way. Anyway, one of the passages that you guys use comes from Galatians chapter six. I love the book of Galatians, uh, especially in fending off this dispensational nonsense that comes out as well, which is, I think, is hamstrung the American church. I just think it's hamstrung. It's, it's become antinomian. 
It says the laws back there in the Old Testament doesn't apply to the New Testament. Israel is this modern geopolitical state, which it's not. It's the church. In fact, he says it as much at the end of the chapter here. But this is part of what you guys uh, speak to. This comes from Galatians chapter uh, 6 here. It says, let him that is taught, this is beginning in verse 6, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing or doing that which is good. For in due season we shall reap. If you're sowing to the Spirit, you're going to reap something good from that. If we faint not. And if we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And I think that's that's primarily your your scripture reference that you guys use there at Equipping the Persecuted. Tell yeah. us about that. What is the difference? Because I like that that distinction is made. I've often said, God doesn't love everybody the same. Any more than I'm called to love every woman the way I'm supposed to love my wife or every child right. the way I love my children. We distinguish in that, but somehow we want to say God has to have peanut butter and jelly kind of love. He has to love everybody the same way, and he doesn't do that. Jesus said he laid down his life for the sheep, not for the sheep and the goats. He laid it for the sheep. The sheep. So what are you, you guys are, you know, you're, you're primarily focused on the church there in trying to build them up, correct them, instruct them in righteousness and all of this kind of stuff. How does that work then, at that love that you pour into them? How do, have you seen it manifest to those who are not part of that community? And have you seen people, maybe they're Muslims, who come to faith in Christ because they see the faith demonstrated by the people there? Can you give us some examples maybe that you've seen there? Yes, yes, we, ha we have seen. We, 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 well, we've seen nominal Christians, and we have seen Muslims come to Christ because of our efforts. Um, showing up. To a place that has just been attacked, providing food, medicine. Um, in in certain cases, we pay for the having like bullets removed. Um, we pay for surgeries uh, for those that have been severely wounded, and we come into a community with that um, with that aid, with that help, without them even ever asking. They're not expecting us. They they haven't expected us. All of a sudden, you see people go, where did you come from? We had lost hope. We didn't think the world cared about us. We, didn't, we thought we were completely lost. And then you show up with aid, food, and help, and demonstrating the love of Christ. It has had cha drastic changes in effects, not only with them, but even close by Muslim villages that saw what we've done. So, for, you know, for instance, um, there, when... Let's talk about water wells for a second. When Muslims go and drill a water well in a certain area, you have to convert to Islam to drink to, from that water well. If you are a Christian, you go to that water well, and you're not a Muslim, they will kill you if you drink their water. And when we come in, say, you need a water well, we're like, here's a water well, anybody can drink from it. We don't care if you're Muslim or Christian. It's amazing you see that turnaround with people and people coming to want coming to know Christ because of it. And that has happened several times. Incredible. And it's just a, it's just a simple demonstration of love, isn't it? Yeah. We care water about well. you. We want you. We don't want you to thirst to death. Here's a water. Well, anybody can drink from it. Go ahead. We're not going to kill you. 
if you're a different religion, come drink from our well. And just by showing that demonstration of Christianity, people are like, wow, maybe there's something to this Jesus. Maybe there's something to Christianity here that's different than what we've been taught. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it opens the door. Uh, We've seen that with, uh, I saw that in the uh, Universal Antidote um, documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. It's on chlorine dioxide, and they go into a Muslim village. They won't let them preach Jesus, but they said, well, can we take care of your sick? So they use chlorine dioxide, natural compound. And they start healing their people. And all of a sudden, the Muslim leaders are like, well, wait a minute. We got a radio down here. You can preach Jesus as long as you're taking care of our people. Now, yes. that's the hand of God, man. That I don't care who you are. That's the hand of God working in that. And, and, that, and that, is how, that is Christianity 101. That is how we are supposed to practice our faith. And it's amazing. You, you throw out all the, all the chaos, all the insanity and stuff going on. If you go and practice Christianity 101, it is amazing what the Lord does, and it is amazing to see the lives that are changed from it. Amen. Amen. Well, here, here's what we want to do, uh, Judd. we got about five minutes here. Um, yeah. let's, let's give some practical application to our audience. I don't know how many are listening from Nigeria. I know sometimes I have some guys pop in uh, from Nigeria, India, and stuff like that. Uh, but what about people in America? How can people in America help the persecuted church? At first, I think we got to get our act together here in America. That's the first thing. we got to help the the church that's not persecuted, but is soon to be, because that's the way God works. He disciplines those he loves, right? Isn't that what the scripture mm-hmm. says? So uh, what can those who have already, they, they would agree with our message, which a lot of people do uh, who listen to the Sons of Liberty. What can they do to help some of these brothers and sisters in these foreign lands like Nigeria? You can go to our website. You can donate to our organization, equippingthepersecuted.org. Um, Become a monthly supporter uh, of $20 or more is what we're asking. Uh, 90% of all the funds from this organization go right to the people that need it most. We don't have intermediaries, and that's kind of the beauty of our organization. We We don't work with the UN or other NGOs. We find out where the need is, and we, if we have the resources, we address that need. And uh, the other thing that I would ask everybody for is please pray for our ministry. Every time our team goes out and we deliver aid, um, we do a medical intervention, uh, anytime we leave our area to go minister, there's targets on our backs. There's targets on our local team's backs. We've been shot at. There's been bullet holes riddled through our vehicles. Um. We just pray for God's protection, and we ask that you pray for uh, provision and protection for our ministry. But if you want to get directly involved, um, become a financial supporter, become a prayer partner. Um, If it's on your heart to eventually come out to Nigeria someday, contact us. We need all the help we can get. Amen. I I, I like that. I like that. If it's on your heart to come and go on, on the playing field, so to speak, we wanted you to come. I like that. We've had some guys out in the Midwest who are veterans who went into Kazakhstan and they were helping the uh, Peshmerga. I hope I said that correctly. Um, But anyway, they're helping those people and they're Christian men. They were Christian veterans. They're doing it on their own dime with donations kind of like you and pretty much everything, the, the vast bulk of it, except for whatever their living expenses were to go and do those kinds of things was going right in there. They were teaching simple things like the guy told me, he says, you know, that guys were dying from just, you know, an infection. 
that could have been taken care of. They're, they're dying because they didn't know how to use a tourniquet. Simple little things that saved lives, and it opened the eyes of the people. Hey, these guys care about us. They're trying to save our lives. They're not trying to take them. And the, the testimonies that came out of these Islamic jihadis who converted uh, to Christianity because of their work there, not just what they said, but what they do, James chapter 2, yep. what they do, incredible, incredible. So, Judd, thank you for coming on. we got about two minutes here. What I want to do is I want to give those two minutes to you. Final word of exhortation for our audience uh, concerning what you're involved in there. What I'd like to say is what's happening in Nigeria, what's happening uh, to other Christians across the world uh, where evil is permeating at, a, at an insane level, Christians need to wake up here in the U.S. People in Nigeria are telling me and telling me that they're praying for Christians in the United States because of the insanity that's going on in, in, in America. If we don't change course in the U.S., we are going to end up like Nigeria. We're going to end up like these countries. Just the other day, this is an article that you guys can uh, research, they just allowed animal sacrifice for Muslims in Michigan. Yep, we have that at Sons of Liberty. Yep. The enemy is encroaching, and it's taking territory. And it's only gaining territory by our lack of action. The Lord laid it on my heart to start helping persecuted Christians in Nigeria because they have very little help or resources to help uh, to help them in Nigeria. They have very they have no security net. They don't have resources. That's why we are helping out where we can in Nigeria. But in the U.S., by simply voting, by simply speaking out against evil, by standing up in your community and fighting it, you can prevent it from happening here. Yeah. So I implore you and I and I ask all of you, please stand up for what is right wherever you are, whenever you can. Amen. Amen. I think that's a good word. I think that's a good word to end on. And uh, I know we're working locally. That's where our goal is. That is our Jerusalem, if you will, to build up things to produce the gospel, to produce justice and to ensure liberty. That's the issue for us. Judd Saul, thank you. Hang on. I'll say goodbye to you off air. Bradley will be with you at 3 o'clock. Don't forget, visit Judd's site, equippingthepersecuted.org. And Lord willing, we'll talk to you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. See you then.